Welcome to Real Review, a podcast to help you decide for yourself if a movie or TV show is worth your time, money, and energy. With Real 1, Zoe will break down the nuts and bolts, minus spoilers, of course. And with Real 2, she'll invite you into a conversation about the narrative, characters, background, and the power of story. Zoe here, and welcome to Real Review, but today we're doing something a bit different. Instead of giving you a new movie review and a deep dive on a specific movie, I was given the suggestion to talk about the new movie trailers that just dropped during Super Bowl Sunday a couple Sundays ago. I thought this was a great idea, and I'd love to talk about these new movies with you, some of the things that I think about it, some of the rumblings I'm hearing online, and I'm curious to know what you are looking forward to as far as movies... uh, Uh, for 2024. So this list is something I pulled from Entertainment Weekly, and I'm trusting them on this, that these are indeed the movie trailers that dropped during the Super Bowl, because some of these I didn't catch. Maybe I was grabbing more snacks. Maybe I was in the bathroom. So I did rewatch all of these trailers so that I've got them fresh in my mind. So let's talk about it. First, here's the list of movie trailers that were shown during Super Bowl Sunday. We've got A Quiet Place, Day 1, Despicable Me 4, The Fall Guy, Kung Fu Panda 4, Deadpool and Wolverine, Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, Wicked, Twisters, If, Monkey Man, and Inside Out. And so I'm going to go down in that order as well. All right, let's start with A Quiet Place Day One. And if you've never heard of the movie A Quiet Place, it was my favorite movie of 2018. My big regret was not seeing it on the big screen. Instead, I heard about the movie later, bought it on DVD, and watched it for the first time at home. And oh, to hear that movie in the cinema with the sound design. Oh, that would have been incredible. But anyway, if you have not seen A Quiet Place, I personally recommend it. The film is rated PG-13. It is set in a sci-fi horror scenario. So some discretion applied, some caution, some warning there. But for me, exactly up my alley. It's got the suspense. It's got the thrill. It's got the scare, but it's not super gory or gross. And it's centered on a family unit. It is directed by and stars John Krasinski. And that That is when I found out that he is a pretty cool guy and I fell in love with John Krasinski because of A Quiet Place. I never watched The Office, so I didn't know him as Jim from The Office. I just knew him as the really cool dad from A Quiet Place. So, of course, I was like, man, this guy is so cool. But anyway... He directed that movie, such a cool movie, and of course his wife is Emily Blunt. She stars opposite him in that original movie as his wife, and they have a daughter who is deaf, and so they do a lot of sign language, and I love sign language. I'm trying to get better at it myself, so all in all, I love that first movie. So good. Then we got a sequel, because of course, A Quiet Place did so well. It was such a great movie, right? So they came out with the sequel. And I just didn't really like the sequel. I did see that one in theaters, was a bit disappointed, wasn't really like the magic that had been captured in the first film, which is, you know, it's hard to capture lightning in a bottle twice. It is hard to do, which is why when I saw that they were making a prequel 
So a quiet, a quiet place day one is a prequel to the first two quiet places. There's, there's a lot of quiet places, right? <laughs> there's a lot of words here. But yes, a quiet place day one, maybe I'll just call it day one. That is a prequel. It is literally showing the first day how it all happened when the aliens came. Because in the first two movies, right, there's a mystery. We don't really know where the aliens came from, what went down. We just get pieces of information. There's like this mystery and suspense. But now we're actually going to go back in time and see how it all shaped out, how it all shook out, you know, all of that. And it stars, you know, Joseph Quinn, the Internet's darling. He was on Netflix. He was... um. Eddie. He was Eddie on Stranger Things and everyone fell in love with him. And so, of course, now Joseph Quinn is in everything. I'm kind of like rolling my eyes just a little bit seeing him in all of these new movies. But you know what? Good for him. Good actor, man. Good on you getting in all these movies. Way to go. <laughs> but still, he's in everything now. And then, of course, we've got Lupita Nyong'o as well. And so some some new faces, maybe if you've never seen those actors before, that should be interesting. But overall, my concluding thoughts as I watched the trailer for A Quiet Place Day 1. This was a trailer I did see before the Super Bowl. Um, so I already knew what was coming when the trailer came on. I was like, oh, oh, I know what this is. I'm not going to like really pay attention because <laughs> I already have seen this. And I will say the only thing that I cared about when watching A Quiet Place Day 1, the movie trailer, was all I cared about was the cat. Why is this woman walking down the streets of New York City holding a cat like the cat's not even in a carrier bag no the cat's just in her arms I was like woman what are you doing this is already a bad situation the cat is already in danger this is negligence like, I was so upset and I was so hyper fixated on the safety of this cat that throughout the trailer as it progressed and the aliens are attacking that was all I cared about I was like where's the cat is the cat okay is the cat safe you know if you had the cat in the cat carrier Maybe this wouldn't happened. Uh, so I got very heated with the whole cat situation. Then eventually we see that the cat is fine, I hope. I will be very upset if I see this movie and something bad happens to the cat. I, I don't really care if like a lot of characters die. Like All I care about is the cat. So uh, that's pretty much my thoughts on A Quiet Place Day 1. I'm kind of like, mm, are they going to not... Is it, is it not going to do well because, you know... We haven't seen a good track record with prequels and sequels. It doesn't always capture the same magic a first movie might take. And the first movie was such a good movie. Like, is this really going to work out? But at the same time, it looks like there's a lot of action. It looks like there is some suspense and some thrill. But are we going to care about the main characters? I guess that's my big problem is, yes, your movie can have action. It can have suspense. It can be scary. It can be sci-fi horror, whatever. But do we care do we care about the characters on screen? Like, I care about the cat. It's a given. It's almost lazy writing <laughs> that there's a cat. Obviously, I'm, I'm going to care about the cat. But am I going to care about these other humans and the story that's impacting them? Is there going to be heart in this movie like there was in the first Quiet Place film? Those are my questions. Uh, I'm very curious to hear what you think. But now let's move on to our next movie. With artificial intelligence... Yeah. The future voilà. is in good hands. <laughs> Despicable Me 4. Trailer out now. Up next is Despicable Me 4. And as I'm looking at this list once again that we are walking through together, I'm realizing that 2024 is full of sequels, prequels, 
like remake slash adaptations, like something based on a previous property. There's very few things here that are an original idea being put to life on the big screen. Like I just mentioned, Quiet Place built on a previous IP, Despicable Me 4. So there's three other movies. And so the continuation of these stories, it's starting to feel, I think, a little bit stale in the story market that we're seeing here. Uh, all of the stuff coming out of Hollywood. It's like, okay, here's the same thing over and over again. It's going to make me laugh. It's going to entertain me mildly. And then I'm going to forget about it the next day. And it's not going to change my life. It's not going to get me to think any deeper. You know, it's just all fluffy, sugary entertainment. And I'm not saying A Quiet Place Day 1 is like that. I'm just saying seeing so many remakes and sequels, prequels, blah, 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 it just, it's a lot. And I think a lot of us are getting tired of it. And I think I'm especially feeling people feel tired when we heard Despicable Me 4. It's like, four, really? Did, did we really need a fourth film? It feels to me the only reason that they're making a fourth film is because the Despicable Me movies make money. And I did like the first Despicable Me movie. I did like it. I thought there was some heart in the first film. The guy adopting the three girls. It's so sweet. It's a wholesome family film. And then I think with every like addition to the story that they did, it just kind of dipped in quality and got cheaper and cheaper. And so that's my thing with Despicable Me 4 is it's just probably going to be another cheap, lazy movie that's going to get a few laughs. It'll entertain the kids for a couple hours, but it's not going to deeply impact culture or society. And maybe it doesn't have to, but I think kids movies and family films deserve better. I think we deserve better from the films that we watch our kids and what we want to watch with our families. So I'm mildly annoyed with the idea of Despicable Me 4. So we'll see what happens there and let's move on. Are you saying ice cream or ice cream? Ice cream. Okay, just with your accent, it's hard. I'm not reporting an ice cream. Yes, no, I get that. Okay. You're like sexy bacon. What is this? You know? You need carbs! What are you doing? Just chilling down. Have you been crying to Taylor Swift? doesn't everyone okay and next we are talking about the fall guy a movie that has me scratching my head because either this movie is going to be very mid very meh or this movie could be incredible and i'm not sure where it's going to land i guess i'll have to see it for myself but this is obviously starring quite a dynamic duo we've got emily blunt which everyone loves emily blunt and then we've got ryan gosling who's right now i think at a new height of his career everyone loves ryan gosling right now thanks to his portrayal of ken in the barbie movie i as you may have seen in the podcast here did not really like the Barbie movie but I did love the way that Ryan Reynolds like portrayed Ken like he's a very talented good actor and he just embodied the character so well that now that being said I didn't like what they did with the character of Ken in the writing but as far as acting goes Ryan Gosling is killing it right now and so of course Oh, a new movie with Emily Blunt, who we all adore, and Ryan Gosling, who we absolutely love. This just seems like a match made in heaven. And it's directed by David Litch, who is, you know, an American filmmaker, actor, stunt performer, stunt coordinator. And so the fact that he's doing this film where it's all about stunts, this seems very much in his wheelhouse. And my big question is, is this movie 
Like, it looks to me like a popcorn, fun action, not serious film. And so is it going to deliver on the promise that it's making? Is it going to do Is it gonna do what it intends to do or is it going to fall flat? One last thing I do want to add is it's one of the few movies we're seeing here in the release schedule for 2024 that seems to be an original IP, an original idea, an original script. So that's in its favor, right? So I'm, I'm torn. I don't know whether to be excited or nervous wondering how we're all gonna react when we see it, The Fall Guy. It is time to take the next step on your journey. I'm not gonna be the Dragon Warrior anymore. You will advance to spiritual leader of the Valley of Peace. Inner Peace. Inner Peace. Keep your surf off my turf! Dinner, please. Dinner with peas in a sesame soy blaze. This is not working at all. All right, next on our list is Kung Fu Panda 4. Oh my goodness, we keep getting, instead of trilogies, we keep getting quadrilogies where instead of stopping at the third film, we keep going to another one. And so we've got all these series of four movies and it's just driving me a little bit crazy. Um, I thought the trilogy of Kung Fu Panda was a great trilogy, solid. My, my husband loves the Kung Fu Panda movies. He thinks they're fantastic. And so when I asked him, oh, do you want to go see Kung Fu Panda 4? The fourth one is going to be in theaters soon. He was like, no, I don't want to see it. They're going to ruin it. They're going to ruin everything that they did in the first three films. Now, I don't know if they're going to ruin the first three films, but it once again feels like an easy cash grab at first. And then I watched the trailer and I watched the trailer and I saw what they were doing in the trailer. And I wonder if this is still if I'm if I'm being very optimistic and hopeful, maybe this is a continuation, a genuine continuation of all the story beats that they built in those three movies. Maybe this is a natural conclusion or a continuation because he battled, they, they explain it in the trailer, like he battled a physical enemy, he battled an emotional enemy, and he battled a mental en enemy. And now it's like the fourth dimension. <laughs> you know, like, you know, you've got uh, space and time and like, you know, all the dimensions that we live our lives in, but then there's the fourth dimension. Like maybe there's an added layer here that they could unpack and use to develop Poe's character. Maybe there's something there, but maybe I'm being way too optimistic. I will say, I don't think I'm going to like this movie as far as something for kids because the little cute bunnies in this movie trailer are like, we like violence. And I'm like, oh, great. That's such a smart decision, DreamWorks, to have cute little bunnies wielding knives around and saying, we like violence, because now you're going to have a bunch of five-year-olds and six-year-olds think that it's cute and funny to wield you know, sharp, dangerous objects around and saying that they like violence. Great. You are now going to build up all of the crazy little children to do that. And I don't think that that's uh, they're going to think it's funny and cute. And it's it's really not. And so that made me annoyed as a not parent <laughs> to see them put that in the movie. But I'll I'll stop now. We can move on to the next one. Don't just stand there, you ape. Give me a hand up. Nope, I'm actually okay. Thank you very much. Deadpool and Wolverine. I'm going to keep it short and sweet here because this could become its own episode because there is so much that you could unpack on the history of like the films and the studios and production and comic books and like there's so much history and cultural significance in what this movie is 
there's so much that you could unpack. But I personally don't have any stakes in it because I never watched any of the Deadpool films. Deadpool is just not a character for me. I do not like the really crass, abrasive, gross violence, overly sexualized, like all of that gross stuff. Like that's, you know, tabooed, I would say for a reason at times, uh, like all of that stuff. That's who Deadpool is. And that's not something that I enjoy or revere. And so I'm not invested in this, but I know a lot of the internet is invested in this. And I find that fascinating. And who doesn't love Wolverine? Like Wolverine's great. Hugh Jackson, such such interesting casting. Again, another story that I could dive into on that. But yeah, the internet is excited for Deadpool and Wolverine. I am not exactly excited, but I am interested in the story of how this movie has come about, if that makes sense. So it's a thing that's happening. Saw the trailer and was like, yeah, I don't know if I'm going to watch it. I don't know if I'm going to see it. Maybe I will, but definitely not in the theater because I am too sensitive. <laughs> that I'm just not interested in going and spending my theater money on it in theaters. But I know a lot of people are excited and maybe they'll enjoy it. But the story behind how this movie and Deadpool, like how these things, these projects got off the ground and the cultural significance, that I do think is fascinating. Now let's quickly move on. Legend says ape and human live side by side. Impossible as that may seem. Why do they hunt her? She's smarter than most. The elders did not tell us everything about this world. The movie next on our list is something I am so excited for, and I know what you're thinking. Zoe, you just did several rants about sequels and prequels and remakes and the fatigue we're seeing in Hollywood and story bankruptcy and stuff like people going back to the same IP over and over again. Why are you excited for Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes? And I'll tell you why. First of all, I am a big nerd. I am such a dork. I am such a movie nerd. I love the original 1968 Planet of the Apes film starring Charlton Heston. I am such a nerd, okay? I love that film. And that film, it's so interesting. It did have quite a bit of success when it released, which is unusual for a sci-fi film, especially during that time. It originally had a budget for $5.8 I don't know what that means in today's inflation numbers, but work with me here. It had a box office of $33.3 million. So it, it did pretty well in cinemas in the 1960s, all right? So, of course, with that moderate success, that pretty that pretty good success, right, they started churning out movie after movie after movie. I did see at least one or two of the other films in that old 1960s, 70s franchise. They just got worse and worse and worse, like, you know, with quality and writing and, you know, it didn't really matter anymore. They were just trying to make money, all this stuff. I have seen some of them, but they still play with the themes of, like, nuclear war and evolution and mankind and all of this really heady philosophical interesting stuff that I just eat up and okay so that's like first part I'm a nerd and I love the original movie and the history and the culture significance all of that jazz right well then let me take you back to when they remade or they did a, a prequel remake ish kind of thing right with the first one which is Rise of the Planet of the Apes and when that movie came out in 2011 I don't I was too young I wouldn't have seen it in theater so I saw it later as a teen and with my love for the original 1960s film you'd think I'd be a super super big critic right of any remake anything that dares try to touch this property that I love because I'm such a nerd right well that movie was so good 
so well executed, right? So good. And they kept being successful, like Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, War for the Planet of the Apes. All of those films were so well executed in its acting with all the new technology that they had to use to capture the motion capturing for the apes and the actors. Oh my goodness, the writing, the characters. Again, I bring it up, it's character driven and that's what makes these stories so good and why we latch onto them. There's heart in these stories and that's what matters. Like you can have all the sci-fi, you can all the thrills, you can have the biggest budget ever. But if there is no heart, if there is no story, if there is no character, no character development, there's nothing. There's nothing that we're going to care about. There's no reason for us to think about it days later or have us have it impact our lives. The story of Caesar in that first trilogy is so good. It is so good. I'm, I'll rant more about it whenever uh, Kingdom for the, of the Planet of the Apes comes out and we can deep dive into it together if that's something you're interested in. But now I wonder if this is the start of a second trilogy because we had Rise, Dawn, and War and now we've got Kingdom and I'm wondering is this going to launch a new trilogy or is this like the last one in the sequence? Again, we seem to like fours, like quadrilogies for some reason, but I am genuinely excited because the trailer shows were several years away from the main set, like the main characters that we saw in that first trilogy were years away from it. We're developing these concepts, we're building upon the foundation that was built on the previous films. We've got some new characters we're going to work with and play in the sandbox of these philosophical, deep, heady themes of like mankind and, you know, the, the consequences of actions and history. Oh, such a nerd. I'm so excited for it. The best way to bring folks together Something has changed is to give them a real good enemy you're green i am and now for a movie that i just oh gosh wicked okay how do we talk about wicked there's a lot that can be said about wicked i'm gonna first start with the thing that i can't get out of my head when I see that this movie is coming out, when I saw the trailer, when I see all of the ads and the promotion for it, the only thing that unfortunately that I can't stop thinking about is the baggage that this film now has attached to it. Thanks to Ariana Grande, who I already do not like as a person. She just seems like not a, not a nice person. I don't really like her. Um, and I really don't like her now because of the actions that she's done. And if you don't know the drama, I'll summarize it very quickly. There's some actor that's in Wicked. I don't remember what character he plays, but he used to be a Broadway actor. And he had been married to his high school sweetheart. They had a baby. And Ariana Grande had been recently divorced. And so Ariana Grande and this actor, they meet up on the set of Wicked and they got really close. And now this actor has left his high school sweetheart, wife, and child for Ariana Grande. And the internet absolutely blew up when this happened. And this was happened, this had happened during the production of Wicked. And so now. That is all I can think about, unfortunately, which is really sad considering all of the hard work that has probably been poured into this movie that is outside of Ariana Grande and her shenanigans with that actor. Like, the, it's not the movie's fault that this had happened on their set and it's super sad that a family was broken and wrecked because of these people and their bad decisions. Um, and so it's a very unfortunate situation. But now when I see Ariana Grande, who I already don't like, on screen and on the trailer 
and she's like the good witch or whatever. I'm like, mm, seriously, like, ugh. like it grosses me out. I'm sorry. That's just personally how I feel about it. And I already wasn't interested or excited about this film because a lot of people really like the Broadway musical Wicked and they have a lot of like attachment to it and they really like it. And so they're excited that this uh, film is coming out. I don't have that personal attachment. I never like listened to the music. I never like saw the Broadway show. Like I have no personal stakes or attachment to this property. So I am not interested or invested in going and seeing it, especially since Wizard of the Oz is a very weird story. And I just like the original 1950s movie. I don't see why we keep going back to it. It just always feels really weird when we keep going back to it with new movies and new properties, constantly trying to go back to this old thing. And it's like, ah, I just, this doesn't feel right to me. I just don't like it, but I could be wrong. Maybe it is a super amazing musical and it's going to knock me off my feet. You know, like it's going to be super great if I just put aside my feelings for Ariana Grande. I don't know. You know, this movie is just not for, for me and that's okay. Maybe it's for you. Maybe it's something you'll enjoy. I am curious to see what the audience reception is going to be when Wicked comes out. Tyler Owens he calls himself Tornado Wrangler. If you feel it, chase it! I said if you feel it, chase it! Have you actually ever seen the original 1996 film Twister? Um, that's that's kind of a deep cut, I feel like. I'm not sure how many people remember Twister. Like, Twister was the kind of movie that would be on TV. And if you were like, this was in ye olden days when you actually scrolled through your TV channels trying to find something to watch on like a Saturday or Sunday afternoon. And when it did come on, my mom and I, I remember us watching, you know, bits and pieces of the movie Twister when it was on. It was, it always struck me as kind of like a mid-level 90s film. You know, it wasn't a big blockbuster action film. You know, it didn't have a huge cast and a huge like, Arr! you know, it wasn't like one of those films. And it also kind of landed in the realm of like, not a romantic comedy, but like a romantic dramedy, you know, like there was some drama, like the couple is on the brink of divorce. And so it's kind of got that chick flick part of it. So it's like part chick flick, part action film. And it's got this super, not supernatural, but like super like big natural event at the center of it, like twisters happening. And so it always struck me as such a unique, but weird kind of just random movie that you see on TV. And then they're making a sequel? Like, at first I thought they were making a, a complete remake, but I did a bit of digging and Twisters is actually a sequel, which does not make sense to me. I didn't recognize any of the cast as being cast from the original film, but I'm also not like the biggest fan of the first film to begin with, so maybe I just didn't recognize some faces. Um, but yeah, so Twisters is apparently a thing, which I don't think was an IP that anyone was craving a sequel for or a remake. It's not like anyone was like, oh, you know that random film from the 90s that we apparently all love and adore? Um, we definitely need to <laughs> make more of those. I don't think that's something anyone was asking for. That being said, that could be a good that could be a good strategy that could work in the movie's favor that it doesn't have a huge audience or a huge like following or a fandom or a fan base that just grew up watching Twister and love Twister so much that there's like pressure 
and like hopes and expectations for the sequel. It doesn't have that because no one really cares. <laughs> and so I did watch the trailer like full uh, fully watched the trailer, you know, outside of the Super Bowl, rewatched it. And I was like, you know, actually, legitimately, this looks good. Surprisingly, I am surprised. I was like, there's some pretty intense action here. The characters seem kind of fun and quirky. There could be something here. Maybe, just maybe. I'm too optimistic, but there could be something to Twisters. Maybe it'll surprise us. And maybe it'll become one of those films that you occasionally find and you're like, oh, this isn't that bad. I'll pop it on TV. But, you know, we don't exactly have TV channels like we used to. So it'll probably die on a streaming service <laughs> if it isn't very good. I guess we'll find out. Something's happening. Hi. 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 If. Get it? Imaginary? friend I'm not gonna ask you again put some pants on you're freaking everyone out I know a lot of people are showing some excitement online for the film if and I hate to be a Debbie Downer but I am not particularly excited or interested in this one I know some people are like oh my gosh this looks so cute this looks so sweet and I'm not saying that you're wrong but there's something about it that kind of weirds me out and it just it, I, I was like maybe it's uncanny valley I'm not sure what it is but I'm not feeling the vibe for if so if uh, the one thing that's in its favor you know if we're looking at my criteria that I've kind of been setting up here it's not a sequel prequel remake whatever it's an original idea it's again from the wonderful beloved John Krasinski so how could I not love it you know it's got Ryan Reynolds who doesn't love Ryan Reynolds it's like supposed to be ticking off all of the boxes it's supposed to be matching up everything that I would hope and want for a fun, entertaining family film. And yet, for some reason, I watch the trailer and I'm like, I, I'm not into it. I, I just don't know what it is. I, I'm not getting it. I'm not into it. And you know what? Maybe it's just not a good trailer. And, you know, maybe the film is going to blow me away. I'm going to cry like a baby as if it was a Pixar film, you know, when Pixar was good. <laughs> so who knows? We can only imagine, right? Pun intended. So we'll see what happens with if, and that's kind of all I have to say about that one. Are you ready? Yeah. Monkey Man. Only Peter's April 5th. And now let's talk about a movie that made everyone in my Super Bowl party burst out laughing. And I feel only slightly bad if this is like a misunderstanding of culture or a language barrier or what it is. But this trailer comes on as we're watching the Super Bowl. We're all watching it. And this trailer looks it looks like it's like a John Wick kind of film, you know, an action film, really intense and brutal, like just tons of gritty, dirty, gross violence. And it's intense and rah, very John Wick vibes. And then we get to the title of the film. And when the words plus the voiceover like hit all of us collectively, we burst into laughing. He goes, monkey man coming to theater soon. And we're like, what? That was the like the least thing that I was expecting. Monkey man. Like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I know this could be perhaps a misunderstanding of culture or a translation or something. 
uh, because it seems to be maybe set in India or somewhere over on that side of the world that I'm not educated on. But for us in America, the words monkey man do not inspire fear. I'm sorry. I just don't see a world where us in America hear the words monkey man and we quiver and tremble with fear. If someone's like, the monkey man is coming. Be like, what are you talking about? The monkey man? It. I hope you get what I'm saying here. <laughs> There's something not working with this title. And if this is like a foreign film or inspired by foreign events or it's set in a foreign land, maybe just adjust the title for us here so we can get a better idea of the the character and like the fear that this is supposed to inspire. Like that's the whole thing with John Wick is he's the Baba Yaga. You know, he's he's so scary. When you hear the words John Wick, like it's powerful, it's scary, it's intimidating, and all the characters quiver because they know what's going to happen. Imagine the scene now in this movie where someone's like, the monkey man is coming. Like, it's, it's not, it's not hitting. It's not, it's not. <laughs> I just, I can't help but laugh and I feel bad. And so that's a movie that exists that is coming to theaters. And I guess we'll find out how scary the monkey man is. This is Joy coming to you live in Riley's mind. Get on your feet and make some noise. Anger. Let me at him. Fear. People discuss. No, 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 no! That's not ours. Sadness is in the house. Yay. Orange. Who made the console orange? Hello. Ah. Oh my gosh, I'm anxiety. Where can I put my stuff? All right, we are gonna wrap everything up now. This is the last film we are going to talk about for 2024, at least for the trailers that we had gotten to see during the Super Bowl, and it is Inside Out Two. Okay, how do I, where do I start? Okay, so we've got a sequel to a beloved film that Pixar released. One of the last Pixar films, I feel like, that actually did something interesting and heartfelt. Um, They have not been on the same track record in the past several years. Okay, so we're getting a sequel to one of their previous successes, right? So they're trying to, you know, milk all their successful IP for what it's worth, right? And You know, at first when you hear that there's going to be a sequel to Inside Out, you think, okay, there could be a lot of interesting directions that maybe they could take, you know, but for them to start adding more emotions, specifically the one that bothers me the most and irritated me when I watched the trailer was that they added anxiety. This to me is very, like genuinely problematic. And I know a lot of people might in originally or maybe the writers originally think, oh, this is actually really deep and relevant right now. So many teens and young adults are struggling with anxiety, blah, blah, blah. Like this is super important. What a great conversation starter. This could be really deep and profound. And I think it's fake deepness. I think it's fake, like trying to pretend to be profound, which is again, kind of why I actually don't like the movie Inside Out. Um, my, my big problem with Inside Out is conceptually the idea that our emotions control us. I just have a personal problem with the idea that our emotions control us because I don't think that that is a mature way for us as adults in society to view ourselves, that there are these little emotions in our brains that tell us how to feel and what to do and our actions are based out of emotion, like that we act out of fear, out of sadness, out of happiness, out of whatever, disgust, right? And they do portray it in a like decent way in the first movie where even though I have opinions about it, I can get on board and like, okay, whatever, I'll just 
ignore that and watch the movie. But I did have a problem with that because we, even if you are not feeling happy in the moment, like that doesn't mean that you can't have joy. Like happiness and joy are actually two different things. But that's how I feel as a Christian with my Christian lens and my Christian perspective. And I don't know. There's just a lot of problems, in my opinion, if you think, if your worldview is that you act out of your emotions instead of you as a person can think through how your emotions are communicating things to you and work through those emotions to maybe get out of maybe a place of sadness or depression or anxiety or whatever, right? You can work through your emotions and your emotions are important. They're communicating things to you. But like, if I'm having a really, really sad, frustrated day, I'm not going to ignore those feelings, but I need to understand why I'm feeling that way. And sometimes I'm feeling sad and frustrated because I didn't get enough to eat or I didn't get a nap or, you know, there's other stuff going on and I need to regulate myself. I need to check myself or I need to take a deep breath. I need to take a step back, evaluate what's going on in my head, my thought processes. Am I thinking too negatively? Am I hearing some lies in my head that I need to question? You know, you need to have some self-reflection. You can't just lead by your emotions. They are going to lead you astray if you don't reflect on the ways that you're feeling. And so that's, that's uh, I know, a whole long tangent for why I don't like Inside Out. But I think it's important to understand why I don't like Inside Out, to understand why I even more dislike the idea that anxiety, not even just you've got fear, sadness, and, you know, all these anger, all these other emotions, the core, the core feelings that are in your brain that are controlling you and puppeting you as a person. But now you're saying that the, the feeling of anxiety is also controlling you, that is so defeatist in my opinion because instead of learning to conquer and defeat debilitating anxiety that is going to stop you from feeling joy in your life, now now the, the idea of anxiety is just this represented like character that is controlling your brain. It's not something that you have control of anymore. I, I hope what I'm trying to communicate is making sense and why I think this is a dangerous concept. Like the young teenagers and the young adults in our world right now that are struggling with anxiety and depression, in my personal opinion, because this is something that I experienced, I was able to overcome a lot of my own anxiety and my insecurities and overcome a lot of my depression. So where I love my life and I don't have the negative thoughts that I had when I was a younger adult, okay? And the way that I overcame my anxiety that would leave me like just so crippled, like hands shaking, nauseous, like awful physical symptoms as well as the mental symptoms as well, I was able to overcome these challenges through therapy, through community, and through Jesus Christ, Okay, that's just the true story. That's my testimony. That's like my experience. I know that some people, their stories are different. Their experiences are different and their depression, their anxiety is different. But I fundamentally believe that a big thing that can help with overcoming these new challenges in our new society when it comes to mental health is are you in a good community? Do you have people in your corner? Is Jesus Christ with you affirming that you are loved, that you are cared for? And do you have someone helping you have tools in your tool belt to regulate your emotions and help you conquer these fears that are popping up in your head and making you not enjoy life to the fullest? And I know this has kind of gone on a weird tangent, but I think it's a, it's good that we can talk about Inside Out too 
here at the end of this episode because I am very worried about the message that this is going to send more teens, more young adults, and little kids that are going to watch this movie and grow up thinking, oh, when I'm a teenager, I'm also going to get a little figment of anxiety in my brain that's going to tell me to feel anxious about all these things. And I don't think that's right. I have a really big problem with that. And that's not to diminish the feelings of anxiety that we will experience and how real anxiety is with people right now. I'm not diminishing that. But anxiety does not have to conquer us. Anxiety does, is not a figment that pops in our brain and takes control of the control panel and tells us how to act and how to respond. We are in control of our emotions. Our emotions inform us. Our emotions help communicate. Emotions are things that we feel and they are valid and they are important. But we can also recognize when we're feeling something and be like, hmm, I'm feeling really anxious about this. Why is that? Oh, maybe it's because of this. And to problem solve it and, you know, work through things. And I think there's so much power and victory in those messages than telling kids that, oh, you're going to experience anxiety and it's going to suck. I don't know. I have a lot of problems with this and uh, I'm just I just don't like uh, the message that this could potentially send kids. Now, obviously, I haven't seen the film. No one's seen the film. No one knows what the message of the film is going to be at the end of the day. But I have a concern that the feelings that they're going to introduce in this movie don't go away or maybe they do go away. But then how are they going to explain all that? How are they going to unpack this? I just don't see this working out. I don't see this being a productive or healthy message for kids, potentially. And that's why I'm concerned. Um, but I could be wrong. I'm definitely open to conversation. Uh, so please, please let me know what you think about all the movies that I just talked about here. What are you looking forward to and why? And maybe it's a movie that I haven't talked about here. These were all just from the Super Bowl. There are plenty of other films coming out in 2024. Um, but thank you so much for listening to me rant about a bunch of movies and uh, joining me today for this Real Review. The Real Review podcast hosted by Zoe Moody is a part of the Real FM podcast network. You can listen to more Real FM podcasts or Real FM radio on the Real FM app or at real.fm.